We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, what up, my people? KJ Podcast, Wednesday night edition. Pumped to be with you. You can tell the tone of my voice. I'm amped. San Francisco 49ers news and analysis. We got to see a win last week, 34-3 Oakland Raiders. Watching film was fun. There was positive energy all about the 49ers right now. Kyle gave him a bunch of days off. Lots to discuss. Nick Mullins, Bruce Irvin, should they have gone harder after him? He had his choice to sign with Atlanta, but Mike McGlinchey we're going to touch on for sure. Uh, the wide receiver situation, there's a lot of defensive stats that look pretty good for the 49ers. And talk about firing Robert Sala unless the wheels fall off is just overreacting fans. You can't fire people two years into this rebuild. BlueWirePods.com, that's the podcast network I started with a bunch of other people, Light Years, Sam and Andy, Ray Woodson. Triples Alley Report, Ted Wynn, Coffee House Stuck, Keeping It 300, Fallon Smith, James Jones, bringing together credible voices in local markets. We're in Cleveland now. We're in D.C. We're coming to Baltimore. We're coming to Green Bay. We're coming to other cities. We're talking to NBA podcasters. Podcasting is the future. I'm trying to give you another channel and a great team. So please spread the word. Do your thing. Buy some merchandise. Keep retweeting us and appreciate you. Yeah, let's dive in. Watch the film. Everyone's feeling good on the 49ers. Nick Mullins. We're all still glowing after that performance. It's better than C.J. Beathard really has ever looked. And because the score was so lopsided, it was Thursday night football and all the energy went well. There's a little bit of a Mullins wave in the building. No, it's not the tsunami that Jimmy Garoppolo brought last season. It's not going to be a five-game winning streak, but 
this has a similar feel to Garoppolo's arrival. The team was down. They needed a change. And Mullins is the breath of fresh air. How does he play against the Giants? Who knows? They aren't that great of a defense. Clearly a no-brainer decision to start him. Pretty funny that Mullins broke it, the, the news himself, at the podium. He's got that little bit of a southern twang saying, yes, sir. The vibes and the leadership from him, uh, you can feel it away from the building right now. And I'm certain guys are more engaged. Meeting rooms are more lively. Like I said, the 49ers had a bunch of time off here. Kyle took some time off. They, the win came at a, the right time. Tanking isn't everything. If it was going to happen, it was definitely time to embrace it because this team needs to get better. But when things go well, Nick Mullins executes a game plan or any quarterback in Kyle's offense can execute a game plan, you can score 34 points if you make the right throws. Watching the tape, the number one thing that stood out about Nick Mullins, he knew what he was doing at quarterback. Looks comfortable in play action and the shotgun. C.J. Beathard never looked comfortable at either. Especially play action, they were so slow. Nick Mullins is almost a little too quick on his play actions, like pulling the ball away too quick. That's something they'll work on some timing and cadence things to go over he's using his eyes to look off defenders that is a skill that not many undrafted guys can do cj bethard was rarely doing it at a high level again the raiders are a mess but it is important to note mullins was in the building last year mullins has been around this playbook longer than jimmy garoppolo has duh i'm not starting a quarterback controversy i'm just saying nick mullins it shouldn't be a shock. He's no dummy. He knew what to do. Does that continue? Now there's tape on him. The Giants are going to react. They know some of his weaknesses. An interception was dropped. He didn't shatter the earth. He only threw 22 times. How does he look when he has to throw 40 times in a game? Obviously, uh, a lot to play out. If he plays well, they're going to beat the Giants. If he doesn't play well, they still might be able to win, but... I'm expecting about the same amount of passes, you know, maybe 17 of 25. If he can reach that 250-yard marker, that means there's been a couple big plays. The offense is getting first downs. They could beat the Giants, you know, 30 to 17. They could handily beat them on Monday Night Football. It's so rare that this undrafted guy has become a star overnight. It doesn't happen in today's sports. We know every prospect We've been tracking him for so long. Nick Mullins was on the roster, and I always thought he was an afterthought because I never thought Kyle would bench his third-round pick. I thought he would make C.J. Beathard, he would ride him into the into the ground. I said, if Mullins throws four interceptions this week and looks awful, I still think there's a bye week, and then he'll start at Tampa Bay the next week. And then if he's completely awful there, then you may think about C.J. Beathard. But this is minimum a three-game experiment. I'm expecting them to beat the Giants, have a lot of momentum. It sucks. The bye week now is coming at a terrible time. Because now you have two wins in a row, you're finally clicking, and then you're going to be like, God damn it, we got to take a week off. Nick Bones got emotional in the huddle at Kyle Shanahan. Kyle, I guess, was calling the plays too quickly, and Nick was telling him, yo, shut up, slow down, not realizing that Kyle can't hear a word he's saying while the play is being called. I love this. I love when there's winning going on. Obviously, like I'm not a fan of the 49ers, but when they win, we're all having a better time. 
This is a huge time investment we all put into watching this team and following them all year round. Winning feels good. I'm pretty sure he's going to win. Nick Mullins is going to set the tone. If he's struggling, the 49ers will struggle to win. If he's executing against the Giants, I don't see any reason why they can't steamroll the 1-7 and seven Giants. You're never going to be able to flex Monday Night Football, but, man, they have bombed on a lot of their matchups the last, like, five to ten years. Other big headline coming out this week, Mayoko reported the 49ers did their due diligence on Bruce Irvin, who I tweeted, 49ers should think about throwing a dart at him. This ties into Dakota Watson, who came back last week, activated off the IR. He looks good as a situational pass rusher. Also, the Raiders are dead last in pressures this year. They're not getting to the quarterback at all. They have a bunch of young guys there. Why are they cutting him? Part of the reason I wanted the 49ers to look at Bruce Irvin is because the Raiders cut him. They've been getting rid of good football players. John Gruden is literally scrubbing the building. He's literally cutting people's heads off and saying, I need to do everything my way. Clearly, Bruce Irvin was more of an outspoken guy. Obviously started his career in Seattle. I bet Sala went to John Lynch and said, we, could, we should try and get him. I mean, instead of Mark and Zacha, instead of some, of these, some type of backup here, obviously you're not going to cut Richie James. You're not going to cut one of your draft picks, but... Hey, ultimately, he passed waivers. He was a free agent. He signed a deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Is he going to be a game changer? No, but in a lost season where you're trying to figure out some pieces here, could Bruce Irvin have been a situational pass rusher going forward for the Niners if he played well down the stretch? Yeah. He's a free agent in 2019. His market's not going to be huge now. Three sacks on the season, 40 career sacks. I mean, he's obviously peaked as a player. He's 31. They have a crowded D-line, but Cassidy Marsh is playing a a little bit better. I I get their reasoning for not trying to really outspend the Falcons. Falcons still believe they're in the playoff hunt. They're trying to make some type of moves here. I mean, they're they're not going to make the playoffs at all, but they're trying, so I'm sure they threw a little bit more money than the 49ers were willing to spend. So I'm not I'm not crying a river that Bruce Irvin wasn't signed, but I, I would have liked that. Like, why not? He's not gonna harm the locker room that bad. He's not he knows the system well, obviously was coached by Robert Sala up in Seattle. Mike McGlinchey is where we move next. Cause this man has not gotten his fair due on my podcast at least, and I think kind of with the 49ers coverage. The team is losing and the O line, which Early in the year, I said, is not going to lead to wins at all this season. It is going to set up, theoretically, Jimmy Garoppolo for a lot more success next season. Mike McGlinchey is a fucking badass. He's the number one rated run-blocking tackle for PFF. And they grade O-line. They grade some other positions weird. O-line has kind of been a position that they these guys get right. He's the number seven overall tackle. That's higher than Quentin Nelson. I really think there's only two other offensive rookies making a bigger impact on the field. Saquon Barkley, running back for the Giants, who we'll see this week. And obviously uh, Calvin Ridley, Falcons wide receiver, who has like six or seven touchdowns already. The 49ers are a really good run-blocking team. 
If Trent Brown was still here, I don't think this team would be anywhere near the top in the league in rushing as they are today. They've been benefited by a couple big runs from Brita and Mostert, so maybe their yards per carry is is overinflated some. But I've said this all along, guys. This is my big picture point. 2018 is not a wasted year if Jimmy G walks in next season and the O-line is a damn good run-blocking unit. and The O-line is in really, really good shape. It's hard to keep the O-line a dominant focal point. Those guys are just always injured. You see the Redskins right now are decimated. The Cowboys have not been able to sustain success building through the O-line. I hate when everyone says, look at the 2016 Cowboys. They were a flash in the pan. So it's really hard to keep these guys healthy over time. But for 2019, they could be responsible for a lot of wins. Mike McGlinchey, I've said I preferred Derwin James. I would have preferred even Harold Landry. Shout out to him for having another sack against Dallas. But at this point, I'm done hating on the McGlinchey pick. Right now, he looks like a freaking badass. We got to remember Reuben Foster looked like a badass at this point last year too. There's sophomore slumps are a thing. I don't know. I I see this pick panning out. In three or four years, we actually could be calling this the best John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan pick. Maybe George Kittle's first, but McGlinchey, if he just absorbs Staley's Pro Bowls when Staley leaves the door, I don't know yet about moving him to left tackle. You'd think likely, but Kyle's weird about position switching, which kind of leads us to our next topic about wide receivers. Before we get there, it's time to talk my bookie. Football is entertaining. We're talking about it all the time on this podcast. We're making predictions. It's really time to throw a couple darts out there. MyBookie.com. They have parlays. You can turn $100 into $600 easily. Sign up this week. MyBookie will give you 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. Make sure you're following them on Twitter too, at MyBookie. They personally respond to DMs. They've given away more than $10,000 in free money all football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds post. Yeah, I picked three games this week, guys. I'm I'm looking at the Panthers covering plus four Thursday night against the Steelers. I think the Chiefs will cover that 17-point spread against the Cardinals, completely blow them out of the water. And I'm picking the 49ers as well. Minus three Monday night football. Don't miss out. It's time to stop talking about how smart you are and actually prove that you're smart. Log on to MyBookie right now. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. You'll get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, we're talking about position versatility and maybe if McGlinchey will be a left tackle down the line. I think Staley's got next year in him and then 2020 it might be done. Let's hope they get to the playoffs next year for Staley. That would be sick to send him off the way. And he might go further, but, I mean, you're talking O-line in their mid-30s. Just not feasible. You want him to have a good life after football, too. Position flexibility with Pierre Garçon and Marquise Goodwin. And how do we integrate Dante Pettis at this point? Dude was banged up with a knee injury, and he, he missed three games. They're just now having a tough time getting him on the football field. Garcon plays the Z position. It's a possession underneath guy. A lot of crossing patterns over the field. You saw him score one early on in the game. 
Marquise Goodwin is the X, the speed threat. They are two totally different positions in Kyle Shanahan's offense. The problem is that Pettis is more of a natural X. He's your speedy guy. He plays what Marquise Goodwin does. He's less of your possession, tough over the middle guy. He's really not like Pierre Garçon at all. Dante Pettis, all the highlights of him in training camp and preseason, footwork, he's pure. He uses athleticism, but he's not strength. And that's what you want at a year Z possession guy. So they're not going to pull Goodwin off the field. Two weeks ago, before the Raiders game, he played 92% of the snaps. You want him out there. He's an explosive piece. He looked like a pro bowler last December. There's a chance that next year he's right back on that same page with Jimmy G. Yeah, I don't know how they get Pettis involved. He's not really a slot guy either, and they're having a tough time figuring that out now with Richie James and Trent Taylor. How are you going to pull Richie James off the field after his huge play last week? I believe it was like 52 yards run after the catch. I got on him for dropping that interception, but Richie James, Hive, my boy Dylan DeSimone, there's people out there who think he's the truth, who think he's one of the better receivers in this wide receiving core. You got to get him snaps. Trent Taylor's been battling some injuries this year. Really hasn't looked the same, if we're going to be completely honest. George Kittle, we all made predictions that you know he was probably going to have a huge sophomore year. No one saw it to this degree. He hasn't left any of that room for improvement for his buddy, Trent Taylor. A lot of that's on Kyle. A lot of it's on the QB situation with, with C.J. Beathard. Trent Taylor, 18 catches, 138 yards, one touchdown on the season. He's not getting a ton of targets. His biggest game was against the Cardinals first time at home seven catches 61 yards yeah this is a it's gonna be a difficult situation because we got Kendrick Bourne too who has three red zone touchdowns this year has been getting open near the goal line which is valuable so I guess that's his role but yeah he's got 19 catches 197 yards three touchdowns how does Kyle integrate Dante Pettis into this mix this can't be a total red shirt year for your second round pick because it's a red shirt year for your third round pick a corner. Tarverius Moore. At a certain point here, Kyle wants to win. He wants Pierre on the field. Do you put Marquise Goodwin at the Z, more of your possession underneath, and then put Pettis at the X? I'm not into phasing out Pierre because I know he's still good. I'm, I'm shocked a team didn't trade for him. He had no good film this year, but I, I really am because I think he still has gas left in the tank enough where Kyle's going to have a tough time justifying benching him if he wants the team to win games. Kyle loved the feeling of winning last week. John Lynch loved it too. They're both obviously talking about the draft all the time, but in their mind, every Sunday, they're like, fuck it, we want to win. If their record ended up being 6-10 and and they reeled off a bunch of wins, I don't think either of them would be mad about it at all. Yeah, I think wide receiver is the biggest position to monitor on offense down the stretch here. Nick Mullins, we hope this lasts. It might fade out. It might be, oh, remember the Nick Mullins? I hope not. I hope he's actually great and becomes the backup. We have no idea. Way too early to make a prediction there. Running back, Brita's been the revelation. Most are out for the year. You're going to have Alfred Morris pitching in from here and there. Tight end, we know Kittle's a pro bowler. 
O-line we know is pretty damn good. They've been blitzed the most of any team this year, the 49ers, 30.6%. I think they're handling it pretty well. I don't think the quarterback's gotten killed most weeks, and if he did, it's mostly C.J. Beathard holding onto the ball too much. Um, yeah, it's receiver. That's what we're watching down the stretch. How does Dante Pettis get integrated? I don't really know. I don't know the right move here, but I'd like to see some four wide receiver sets. Kyle loves manipulating defenses with formations, and he likes looking big when he's throwing. He's he's not going to force it to get Dante Pettis involved, but I think schematically, to end the year here, you want your second-round pick. you got to give him some confidence going into next year. Remember, this guy did have a touchdown week one. Dante Pettis made a nice grab, back left corner end zone against Minnesota. Bailed Jimmy G out. It's a nice throw, but he got two feet in. This guy can make plays. 49ers should be able to figure out how to get him the ball. Dakota Watson was something I really wanted to touch. Came off IR, four hurries last week, one and a half sacks. This guy weighs like 245 now, which is ideal. He's 30 years old is the thing. And the Raiders have the worst O-line in the league. It was pretty easy for him to work, everyone. I don't think he's the answer at edge, obviously, but could he craft a role going into next year? I like him. The 49ers have liked him a lot. I mean, they've put him on IR multiple years and brought him back. I don't think Brottenham is a word. I kind of like that, though. Yeah, so I'm watching number 97 on defense this week. The defense, they are 12th in yards per play, 5.6. They're 11th in third down, D, 37%. And now they are 7th in sacks. After the Oakland game, they have 24 on the year. Obviously, what did they have? Six and a half, seven, eight. I, I don't even know the number. I lost track. Derek Carr was on his ass all game. They had 30 sacks all of last year, so they're going to theoretically eclipse that pretty soon. Uh, we've been really hard on the pass rush. They still need more of it. I think they're going to end up finishing 15th to 20th. You want to be top 10 there. Honestly, though, Nick Mullins comes in and wins. You can kiss Nick Bosa goodbye. You can kiss Ed Oliver, a lot of these prospects, goodbye. That's the conundrum we've been through. Tanking could still be on the table. If Mullins is obviously a flop and Beathard's back on the field, or Mullins is just is who he is, an undrafted guy, he's going to end up throwing a lot of interceptions, seeing ghosts, not handling the blitz that well. It's going to be incredible if he keeps his play up, guys. Like, I, I don't want to prepare you for the inevitable, although I do think there's a slight chance that he's a find and can be the backup next season. That's obviously the goal and the hope of all this. But there, you have to be prepared for the reality that Nick Mullins comes crashing down as well. I will say, I have heard they targeted him as an undrafted guy early in the process. That was going to be their guy. They were never going to pick him in the seventh round, but Nick Mullins was one of the first phone calls they made in 2017. Remember, I reported also that Matt Breida was one of their favorite rookies that whole year, not just undrafted guys. He was gonna beat out joe williams was my tweet yeah i i got my nose i got my ears places guys i'm gonna keep you informed about the san francisco 49ers we we went over some defensive statistics i think we should move to offense here just to show off kyle here with three games of jimmy g yards per play the 49ers 5.6 16th in the nfl 
higher than the Bears in the playoff hunt, higher than the Texans in the playoff hunt, higher than the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Points per game, 23. That's 18th with C.J. Bathard, now Nick Mullins, three games at Jimmy G. Third down percentage, they're 37%. That's 23rd in the NFL. Obviously, they can improve there, but... And you can show statistics like minus 15 turnover margin, why this team is losing. But you can show some stats where things don't look horrible. Let's see how it goes against the Giants and Buccaneers. These are teams on their level. They should be able to beat. They should be motivated right now. Like I said, Nick Mullins is providing a spark in the building. Not unlike the one Jimmy Garoppolo did last season. It's not going to be a franchise quarterback spark, but enough to get people more focused, attention to detail. No one's down. It's human nature. Once you start losing, to keep losing, it's, it's hard to fight out of that. Nick Mullins saved the day. As he saved the season, way too early to save that. I, I hope it's entertaining the rest of the way. That's all I want. The draft and the offseason is not that far away, guys. What is this? Week 10. Season is flying fucking by. Other big point. You gotta have Ruben Foster show up. I'm not sure if he's gonna play this week. Is there potential to shut him down for the season? There's two big things that can happen the rest of the way. I would say A, Ruben Foster returns to his level. He's finally made a couple turnovers, big plays on defense. B, Dante Pettis has emerged as a viable threat. A couple more touchdowns, maybe 20 catches by the end of the year. Let's. Got to get him a couple a week. He's He minimum needs three targets a week, and I would say more than that. And then C is Nick Mullins. Is this guy good enough in a eight-game sample size where you say we want him back and he's going to back up Jimmy G and we're going to keep C.J. Beathard here? I think he's played too many games to go back on the practice squad, but... You might, you might deal him for a sixth or a seventh, probably a seventh. 49ers, Giants, Monday Night Football. You want to talk about a team in disarray, the New York Giants. I love Saquon Barkley, but they don't have a franchise quarterback. They're probably going to have to draft one this year. If not, I've said trading for Derek Carr might be an option. Their defense is not in a good spot. I mean, Pat Shermer was an uninspiring hire. Dave Gettleman leading your front office. It's not futuristic. That's not looking forward. Giants are in a bad spot year one. They really convinced themselves that Eli Manning was going to work out and they didn't have a viable option behind him. I think this 49ers defense should show up. Richard Sherman, he's still trying to make the Pro Bowl. That's an incentive for him. He is the lowest... Catches and yards allowed this year. I forget the numbers. It's like 10 catches or something extremely low. He shut down his side. Akilah Weatherspoon obviously played well last week. Everyone did on defense. It'll be a good test. The Giants can move the football some. They'll shoot themselves in the foot all day. They're making dumb coaching decisions. They're probably going to give you a few turnovers. This is a game you look for the 49ers to force some fumbles. Their O-line's not in a good state. You'd look for Dakota Watson, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Ronald Blair, who's going to show up on D. Yeah, and then after that, bye week, then at Tampa Bay, then at Seattle, which is probably a loss. 
We're not going to do this every time, but then Denver at home is looking like a pretty winnable game, even if Nick Mullins or C.J. Beathard is struggling by that point. Seattle at home, probably a loss. Chicago is beatable, and this is the John Lynch trade bowl where he traded down a pick, kind of fleeced the Bears. Or did he? We'll see how well Mitch Trubisky is playing. To me, he's a scrambling quarterback. He, he just misses way too many wide-open throws. I'm trying to think who he reminds me of. Like, I don't even think he'll ever be on a Jeff Garcia level. And they took him two overall. That defense is good, though. Then at LA Rams to close the season. It's going to be entertaining down the stretch, guys. You've stuck with it so far. You're a Niners fan. You're the faithful. Not totally down on this team. I was pretty much positive the entire episode. Two and seven football team. Got a lot of issues. Trust the Shanna plan. I believe in Kyle. And let's hope Big Dick Nick BDN Nick Mullins shows it off again. Be something if they destroyed the Giants too. Back-to-back games. I think people will be rooting for the 49ers and Nick Mullins. This is a fun story. A lot of good energy going on. I'm still predicting 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 for this team as a ceiling. I don't think this is going to be some crazy six-game win streak. But crazier things have happened in the NFL. KJ Podcast, BlueWirePods.com, MyBookie. Check them out. Promo code BlueWire. You'll get 50% deposit return right away all right my people we'll talk to you again monday night after the game the schedule is kind of getting crazy but it's the fucking nfl it's the greatest thing ever all right peace i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.